Welcome everybody to Catfish Weekly along with Chuck Davison. I'm Lyle Stokes and tonight we're not going to mess around and find out how the weather is down Chuck's way. We're going to get right to it. We have Doc Lang on the show tonight and thank you Doc for joining us. It is a privilege. We've been trying to get you on here for since the beginning of Catfish Weekly. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we're, we're pretty excited. Aren't you excited, Chuck? Oh, yeah. I've been waiting on this since uh, episode one. <laughs> well, you know, we was talking earlier, and, and um, for most of us that that need a place to go to to find out information, uh, Doc's website uh, that he's had for years and years and years is kind of the go-to place if you need answers and stuff like that. And and he's he's just so knowledgeable and so willing to help people and and tonight we're going to see and hear some stuff that uh, will help the beginning guys, the bank guys, the guys that fish tournaments. It's just going to be a really good deal for everybody. So uh, if if you're ready with some stuff, let's just get going. Okay, um, Lyle, if I get kicked off here, just take over. I've got real bad storms coming over, so. Well, believe me, I got plenty to go with, but I'll let you get your stuff going. I'm ready. All right, how you doing, Doc? You wanna um, let's talk about some flatheads? How about that? Oh yeah, that one of my favorite fish right there, flatheads. I I, I fished for them from uh, since the time I was like eight years old with my grandfather. So all we right, did well, boat and. You know, but we only night fished. We never day fished. Now it's a little bit different. Oh, see, y'all didn't. Uh, so when you was younger, you didn't have to learn to uh, target them during the day. Y'all just uh, concentrated on target them at nighttime. Yeah, we always target them at night. Uh, and uh, you know, no electronics. He taught me how to read the river without electronics. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you can't do it, but um, I can, I have taught people how to read the river. When you're looking at the water, how to read the river without electronics. Generally, when the river's up and high, your electronics aren't going to do you any good anyway, because, you know, you got to be able to see things that are happening uh, on, the, on the water and what's going on, you know, because there's seams that are created. Uh, just like you see at the dams. Right, you know, like Earnhardt sees there, um, you know, that's how the old timers were when I would go out with them. You know, current seems, um, you know, paying very close attention to those and the the landscape around you, you know, the, the draws, the, the <coughs> saddles, um, you know where creeks come in, small creeks, um, even if it's runoff or whatever, and they paid more attention to the uh, to the bank and what was going on over there than they were, um, you know, looking at the water. Um, uh, tell us, um, you know, what got you so pumped up about flatheads as a kid? You know, did you did you catch some big ones that really got you hooked, or just? going out and, you know, repetitively catching them and, and the fight of the fish? Um, just probably just catching a lot. Back then, I was only eight years old. I'm getting ready to turn 63, so I've been catch I've been fishing for catfish for about 54 years. 
And, uh, you know, when I fished with my grandfather, it was one of them things, you know, I, I learned to respect what he told me and what he was teaching me. And, you know, for an eight-year-old or a ten-year-old, you know, when he said, be quiet, it's hard to be quiet when you're that young. But, you know, I learned real quick, you know, if I listen to what he's telling me, I'll catch the fish. You know, you had to be quiet, couldn't make no noise. You dropped a sinker and he about, he, a lot of times he about snatched me up and throw me over the side. And, uh, you know, it, you know, I just learned to listen to what he was saying. You know, he said most of the fish run on them outside banks. Uh, very seldom do you see them on the inside. But most of the time, it's on the outside. He kind of taught me anytime there's a big riprap bank that the water along the rocks actually runs slower than the water that's out in the main current because that water is hitting those rocks and it's actually rolling it around into a circle, which acts like a dam. It slows the water down. So a lot of times when I'm out fishing for flatheads, I'm working the banks, and I, and you know I'm looking for that big chunky riprap type rock that you see along you know on outside turns, even uh, on straight straight runs down through there. And then flatheads they'll pack up underneath them rocks. Um, years ago, Lynn and I would be fishing on the Ohio River, and she literally had me up against the banks with the boat and she, she'd just sit there and pull flatheads one right after a couple times she threw the baits up on on the rock she'd overshoot because we'd fish some of it we'd fish at night and um, she'd catch she'd the bait would hit up on the rocks and then she'd drag it off and boom she'd, she'd bust a flathead just up against that rock you know staying out of that super fast current Great. Uh, speaking of uh, bouncing bait off of rocks, what's your uh, your your favorite go-to bait on these live baits that you use on these flatheads? Hey, hey, wait a minute, Doc. Don't be giving any secrets out until we're done fishing that tournament. <laughs> no more secrets. You keep it all for us. <laughs> Want to wait till we get past past the Mississippi, huh? That's right. You betcha. Uh, no. Um, Probably my favorite, if, when I'm using live bait, I really like using CAD. I like using live bluegills, too. Uh, in the springtime, though, I, I am really, mm. I really like shad, and I like dead shad on flatheads. Those guys are coming out of their hibernation, and you get a, a big shad, and I'm, I call them sumo shads, but I'm... I'm not afraid to take a shad that's 14, 15 inches long, cut his tail off, and heave him out there behind the boat. And they'll they'll eat him up. Have you ever tried to use uh, some of these fish that are very hard to keep alive, like um, you know skipjack stuff like that? Tried to keep them alive and use them live? No, because I live too far from the river. And generally, when I'm out there, the skipjacks aren't running. So if I'm using skipjack, I'm using frozen skipjack that I thaw out and uh, 
you know, I, I thought real slow. But I, I take my skipjack and I'll stuff it down in uh, ice water so it's thaw it, you know, real slow thaw out. Uh, I don't want the tissues getting uh, all soft and everything. I want that meat to stay nice and tight, and I want that blood to stay in that fish until I go to cut it. Okay. When when you use the uh, the skipjack for flatheads, uh, what what's your favorite cuts to to use to uh, you know produce a lot of scent and to get that uh, the vibration you need uh, to you know to attract the flathead? Uh, the head portion, and uh, I try to get the biggest skipjacks I can for those. Uh, two three pound skipjacks, and I'll cut him. Uh, about maybe one to two inches behind the gill plates so that the lungs and are still intact right there. And then uh, I always hook them from the bottom of the jaw out through the top of their nostril. Uh, generally, I'll go ahead and put a stinger on the back side uh, just in case I get a short striking fish. Generally, a flathead will just come up. He'll inhale it, but I've had them where in the spring of the year, they're real touchy when they go after the baits. They won't ease a rod down. They'll just sit there and they'll just take that rod and just do one of these. It goes down and then it comes back up and it goes down and it comes back up. I really wish during those times I had a camera so I could figure out what they're doing. And sometimes, you know, because I've, I've, Sometimes I'll push it, and I think they've got the bait, and they're just sitting there. I don't know if they're sitting down there sucking on the end of it, and they just don't have the hook quite in. So, you know, using that second hook on the back of the bait is probably one of the best tips I can give people. You know, if they short strike it, at least you're going to hook them up. Okay. Um on your uh, on your other parts, do you uh, do you just cut steaks, or do you do any kind of uh, butterfly type fillets that that flutter in the water, or anything like that, or do you just put it out there just for scent? Mainly, I mainly for scent. You know, I chunk. I'll take that. I'll chunk that head up in one big chunk, and then I go about one inch fillets. Uh, one to two inches wide like that. And I always make sure that uh, I use uh, ADOT, ADOT, owner circle hooks. And I make sure that that hook goes in, under the spine, and out the back side. Uh, that way it hangs on to it. Okay. Um when you're transporting your live bait, your, your shad and your bluegills out to your uh, to your bank spot, or you're carrying them around in the boat, tell us a little bit about the the uh, the bait tank systems that you use to keep these things at their best. Okay, I, I, right now I own a uh, 2009 CR ProCat 240. I took the front live well and I converted it. Uh, they make a it's a it's a round like a holding tank, but it's it's round for shad. I put a I made a filtering system out of PVC 
and it sits inside that tank. I catch the shad right on the river and uh, put them right in that tank and that filter keeps them all clean, keeps them good and alive. And I also put uh, a lot of salt. I add a lot of salt to that water. Uh, real, real, real heavy salt. Uh, because I noticed that when I take them out and I cook them and I put them in the in the water in the fresh water, it makes them go crazy. They sit there and twitch and they dance and they go just go nuts on the bottom and you know that helps to attract a flathead there. Does does that help with your uh, bluegills also? Yep. Yep. I use it on bluegills too. So I mean, anything, seem, I mean, they seem to have no problems in that real salty brine. Cool. So uh, any kind of fish I would catch, like, a, you know, suckers or, um, you know, carp, anything like that that I wanted to uh, bring, take out and uh, make a big presentation with, a salt brine would be just fine for them most of the time? Now, I've never tried it with suckers and all that. They're not, a, you know, we've got some here, but they're not... A, Big enough to my liking. Um, you know, I've heard people use bullheads. I don't like using bullheads. I don't think they've got enough action. I mean, it, every time I've used a bullhead, they just sit on the bottom and they don't do nothing. Well, it's, um, what other fish do y'all have that's legal up there? Can y'all use crappie, anything like that? We don't know. Uh -uh. I, I, I assume that, you, get, you know, if you can catch it on a line, you can you're allowed to use it, but you know I try to catch catch my fresh bait right either there or I go out to my local lake with a cast net and get it there and then take that to the river. Straight straight on the way, so they're the freshest. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you ever try to keep any fresh bait at home uh, week after week so you'll have it ready whenever you're ready to go? No, huh? No. I live two hours from the river, so really doesn't do me any good. It's okay. easier for me to get down there on the river um, and find my bait. Uh, you know, the side imaging really makes a big difference. I can find bait fairly quick using that techno that new technology, and uh, you know, find you know, go in a creek and see some pods of them, and just you know. My stuff's right on the back of the boat, and I know how far they are away because I'm running a Lowrance, and I can, you know, when I see a school of bait, I can drop a, a, a hash mark on that school, and it'll tell me how far away that school is from the back of my boat. Great. Yeah, I bet that comes in real handy. I, I bet mine could do the same thing. I just need to figure out how to use it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not hard. I mean, you know, just you know, come on. You can put a waypoint right on it, and then you can turn the boat around, and it'll follow right there. And it'll tell you how far away it are. Yeah, I've been I've been using that with the hummingbird on uh, you know marking spots and doing precision anchoring, and I'll know exactly how far I am away from um, the structure, so I can you know fan my rods correctly. So it's probably about the same thing, except you're marking in the water column, except on the structure itself. Right, right. Okay. Um, so 
what tell us about your uh you know what what type of rod and reels you favor when you're going out chasing these things the rods I use are all Lyle's black horse custom rods um, I don't know what 18 years ago Lyle oh, it's, it's been a long time long time he sent me an email and he says I want you to try this rod and I, I think I turned him down a couple of times because I really didn't know who the guy was and at that time a lot of people were asking me to try different things you know and they, they wanted me to uh, try their stuff, and I just I just didn't want to do it. I'm real particular about what I have, so Lyle kept sen kept sending me those emails, and finally I said, okay, send me what you got. So he sent me the wrong and he EVA grips, and I don't like EVA grips, but he said, okay. He said, is that the only thing you don't like about it? I said, yep, that's about the only thing I don't like about it. I said, I like the... The tip is fast, the backbone's good, and then uh, that is one of my favorite rods. It's eight foot long, uh, it's got a heavy backbone on it, real fast tip. I like real fast tips on the rods, and uh, the only thing I just didn't like about it was EVA grip, but I got I caught a lot of flatheads off that rod. Um, I use 7,000 Abu Garcias. Most of what I've got are, uh, I've got two that are my favorites for flathead, and those are the old uh, lever drag reels. Um, I think they're complete, you can't even get that kind anymore. Uh, those are, I like those for, flat, for flatheads because you can just, you know, push that lever up and down. You don't have to turn that to try to get them, you know, because if they get near the boat, they're going to take one of them power dive going down, so I can immediately just reach up there, pull that lever back, and let them just go, and uh, I always just let them go, you know, I, I don't try to stop them, if they want to make a super run, I let them go, and a lot of times, they will, they will swim right into the nearest tree, <laughs> You know, and when they get in a tree, I've got a little trick that I've been doing for years. So I'm going to give this tip out to everybody, and it'll probably come back to haunt me sometime. Uh, but what I do is when a fish takes a rod, takes a bait, and runs into a tree, you know, they go, they go straight into the tree, and they hang you up. I use 40-pound monofilament, big game line, with about a 50-pound big game leader, about, I don't know, 18, 20 inches long. And when a fish runs into a tree, he just goes in, and he never turns around. He's always, you know, he just stuffs his head into the tree, and he's got you hung. What I'll do is I'll take that rod, and I will put it back into my rod holder. I'll push the drag up on that lever, and I'll crank that rod down to where it's got a big bow and just leave it set. Now, what you're going to do is we're going to have a, tug, a little tug-of-war contest going on. Eventually, he's going to get tired of that hook sitting there pulling on him along with that line. Now, because mono stretches, you know, he can stretch it out all he, he wants to, but eventually he'll, he'll back out. 
And when he does, that rod comes up. As soon as I see that rod start moving, I start cranking. Yeah, it's a lot easier than sitting there with it in your hand for about 15 minutes waiting on him to run out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there trying to pull. And, you know, you don't want him to break off. You know, in right. uh, 2007 in a Duracats tournament, uh, I caught a 56 pounder and he run me into a tree, and uh, I did that very same thing. Put it on there and waited and waited and waited, and finally got him out of there. And uh, ended up, catching, you know, putting him in the boat. But that was a phenomenal day on the water for me that year. Okay, so um, we know what your favorite fish is. We know what baits you use, what tackle you use, how you transport them. Now let's uh, let's hear some of your best tactics. Um, how you get them things to uh, to commit and take that bait most of the time. Uh, a lot of times, you know, along the banks, uh, I, I'll throw, I'll throw baits right into the trees, dead into the trees. I know I'm going to get hung up, but hopefully, they'll a big one will pick it up and he'll move out of the tree and he'll snap limbs off and everything else getting out of there. Um, I like picking on rock piles that I find on the bottom because a lot of times those flatheads. Uh, like to sit behind them and I don't think they're sitting back there to get a, in a current break because my favorite time of catching flatheads and when it is when the river is blowed out of, out of the bank um, I've always done real good and uh, you know I'm, I'm just I'm trying to find spots where I know that they can be kind of sitting waiting on stuff and, uh, I just anchor up above them um, I have a Rodan trolling motor. I haven't dropped an anchor in probably three years uh, because this trolling motor, I just drop it down there and set it, and then I can adjust it to where I can move five feet to the right, left, forward, backwards. So, you know, if I don't get my anchor point correctly, you know, I just bump that trolling motor over and it shifts it right over. And I fish all day like that. So, now I'm not jerking that line up and, you know, pulling that heavy anchor up. And uh, then I use my electronics, you know, to adjust the boat where, you know, I need to be. Great. Do you, uh, you said you had some things to show us on uh, that you use when you're making your presentations. Yeah, I got a couple of things. One is a, this is a pool noodle. And I'm I build these. You see it there, okay? And I I make these, and all it is is a pool noodle. And I what I do is I float baits using this type of a rig. A lot of times, you know, most times everybody says that the flatheads, blues, you know, are hanging near the bottom. But there are times when they're way up in the water column. I've caught flatheads that are just below the surface of the water. Using this little uh, deal here, I'll take an 8-ounce egg sinker put underneath that. That way it floats straight up, and I'll put a live bait underneath of it, maybe put it down 5, 6 feet below the bobber, and this, this big pool noodle will hold 8, 10 ounces with no problem. 
and a live bluegill, live shad, and I'll just let it string out behind the boat. Um, I'll do that a lot of times when I'm drifting, um, trying to, you know, with fish. This will pick up those ones that are in the column because, you know, a lot of times when you go over top of them, they scatter. So this little trick here will allow you to catch those ones that are running midstream. Another trick that I use is I take this one off of the wall I got, and that's a, a board, a side planer board. And you know, a lot of times when you're in a heavy current, you throw your lines out. Maybe you have four lines. Here in Ohio, we're only allowed to use two rods per person, so the most that we have on board a boat is four. Um, but the outside lines have a tendency. I like to fish my outside lines. I like to fish straight away, 90 degrees from the boat. Well. You throw one out 90 degrees in a heavy current, and it ends up tangled up behind all the, you know, with the other lines. You snap this planer board on there, it will keep that outside line out there all the time. And that's why I use this Mr. Walleye board, because it's got this heavy, you can snap that heavy line in there. It's got this quick release, you know, and, and they'll... You know, they'll bury this board, and then it snaps off and comes comes right back to the boat. And then I just untangle it, pick it off, and you know, bite the fish. Then. Now, with that planer board, Doc, you you could use that if you was on the bank or in a boat. Either one, yes. couldn't you? Yeah, either one. Even for the bank guys, you know, if they see a piece of structure, a tree, that and they're you know, want to get their bait there, you know, and the current's real heavy, they can just throw that on there, and and you can just sit there and guide it. If you don't like where it's at, just pull up on it. It'll bury the board, but then the board will come back up as soon as the bait hits the bottom. Now, on your uh, your pool noodle, it'll be the same way. How castable are those? Oh, you can sling them things a country mile. So, right. so for the, the old boy that's sitting on the bank and he wants to get out there and he thinks he's in a, in a, uh, a narrow narrow body of water and he thinks that he needs to be fishing on the other side, he could actually throw that up stream yeah. and let it float all the way down the other bank if he wanted to. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Because I round the, the ends here are all tapered. That way, there's no resistance when I bring it back. So you know, and I I I don't. It's probably 18 years I've been using this kind of stuff. Have have uh, do you run anything through the center of it? Yeah, there's a straw in there. I just use a ordinary straw. Yeah, yeah. You get it, in, and I just glue it together. Do you put a uh, a uh, bobber stop on your line above it? Yes, I do. Okay. Okay. Or you can you can. Uh, a lot of times I'll fish with them, uh, let them go on the bottom, and then this this will sit here, you know, just right on the water like that. The one thing I like about this is is this is like Jaws. When this thing is sitting upright like that, remember in the Jaws movie where he buries the, the barrel and the water's rushing over top of it? That's exactly what this, this pool noodle will 
do. It's really cool watching it race across the water with the water pouring over the top of it. Awesome. And I fish around stumps and stuff with that, you know, where you don't want to get hung up on stuff. If you're fishing lakes stuff like that, that bobber setup is excellent for going around there because, you, you know, you can just keep moving it and, you know, send it on pot by your stump and then just drag it back to it. And that's a cheap tip. I mean, you could go buy that stuff at Walmart or something for a little or nothing and make you a bunch of them things. So if yeah. you lose one, you got a spare or two. Yeah, but, I mean, I've still got all the original ones that I've, I've got. You know, I've got... I've got uh, two of these still mounted on ECATs, which were sold by Jim Moyer, oh, Lord, years ago. long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Right. That's awesome. Your great tips, guys. There, there you go for the, for some really good tips that will help you catch more fish. I knew we'd get some out of Doc. Yeah, it'll probably come back and haunt me at a tournament somebody will. <laughs> It'll be I, all right. That's okay. I, yeah. Yeah. I've been fishing tournaments for, uh, I was looking at it the other day. I've been fishing tournaments for 22 years. I started in 1994 and was fishing with my son. And uh, <coughs> in 99, he bought him a boat. In 99 is when I asked Lynn to start fishing with me. And she's been fishing with me ever since. And then last year, she asked me, she goes, you know, a lot of the places don't have docks and stuff where we launch from. And she just asked me, she goes, you know, get you another partner. So I've got uh, Daniel Vance, who lives right here in Springfield with me. He is my current partner. And a young guy that is, he, he's got as much gun-ho as <laughs> As I can stand, boy. I mean, he and he knows how to fish for catfish, and he he just absorbing everything I'm giving him, and we we have a great time on the water together. Lynn, she'll go ahead and fish a few with me, but I mean, uh, Daniel will be my main partner from here on out. What, what's your, uh, your next uh, biggest event you're looking forward to? Daniel uh, and I are going to the Tennessee River and fish in the Cabela's Tournament in uh, Kingston, Tennessee. We fished that last year. That was his first tournament he ever fished, first major tournament he ever fished in his life. And... Uh, <laughs> we found out some things last year that, you know, I'm always thinking outside the box. Now, that's one tip I'm not going to share. But we we found a way to come back. I think in day one, we were in 14th place, and we ended up in nine, eighth or ninth in the tournament on trying things out of the box. Daniel come up with a couple of good ideas. And then uh, we tried those. He lost a couple of huge fish. It wasn't his fault. I don't know why they came off, but they did. 
that yeah. night he got excited. But I get as excited as he does. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I still get excited every time Rod goes down. Yeah, that that is a great area to fish up there. Matter of fact, um, I'm planning on trying to get my brother up there on March, the weekend of March 5th. Um, I've been eyeballing, you know, the, there's a nice horseshoe in the river, and there's two main rivers, the Emory. Um, you know, the, they're feeding right into the Tennessee River right there in that upper horseshoe. Um, so, you know, if, I think we're still on to get up there the 1st of March, the weekend after the conference. We're going to try to get up there. But if we don't, we're just going to fish Wheeler and try to get up there another time. But that is my the main place on my bucket list to hit. Yeah. Uh, just because I've sat back and I've looked at the Tennessee River just like it was a river running through a couple of cities. Okay. And I said, where would be some spots? Where would be my favorite spot I would want to fish on this river if I could drive up and down it in a couple of hours? And that horseshoe just jumped out at me with uh, those main rivers running in. Right. <laughs> I've got it on my list just to fish it just because it caught my eye. Yeah. And in September, I'm fishing with Lyle and Cindy at, uh, in Memphis. And I am really looking forward to that. We are going to have so much fun down there. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. We may not catch no fish, but we're going to have a good time. We are going to have a good time. <laughs> oh man, that's going to be a, a unbelievable tournament. Where do you what What do you think about where a tournaments are, uh, you know, starting to become? I know you've seen big tournaments, you know, in your time because I've heard back in the, you know, earlier mid two thousands, there was some, you know, two hundred boat tournaments back then. But, you know, one of these qualities where, you know, the interest fees this big and you got such a center stage like the, you know, the big Bass Pro Shop and all that. Yeah. I, uh, you know, like I was back in, uh, in 94, we were fishing the U.S. Cats tournament. And back then, you know, it wasn't nothing to see 80 boats at a tournament. And, uh, and most of the guys, you know, I fished with... James Patterson and Harold Dodd, those guys, they've been around a long time. And those guys really taught me how to fish a river because a lot of times after uh, I'd get my butt kicked by them, I'd go up and, you know, I'd start asking questions. Hey, you know, I'd say, what are you looking at? You know, how are you fishing this? And, you know, those guys, they would get, they would tell you you know, what they were doing, and I was real close. I just, you know, wasn't right there. So now I don't do bad, you know. I, I, the weather affects me a lot as I've gotten older. Um, you know, Lyle, you better hope that there's not a lightning storm uh, when we're fishing the Mississippi because I'll be stepping off of that boat real quick. Uh, I don't like, I don't. Adverse weather really bothers me. It, it knocks me off my game plan, which is, you know, you like to stay on your, usually I have a what I'm going to do come game time. And a lot of times, you know, that'll knock me off. Just adverse weather really bothers me. Yeah, um, you know, a couple of years ago at Monsters, Ohio, when I was in the room above you, and 
I didn't see y'all for one whole day, and I said, where'd y'all go, you know, and y'all drove to Cumberland City to get some fresh skips. Um, is that stuff that you've done quite a bit, you know, last minute, hey, we're going to go try to get some primo bait and, and go for it? Yeah, I do that a lot. Man, I hate to see all the money I spent. Uh, and a lot of, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'll get a tip that somebody says, hey, the skipjacks are here, and I'll drive hundreds of miles to get skipjack and may maybe only coming back with a dozen. I hate doing that, but it, it you know, it happens. I mean, a dozen fresh skipjack can, uh, you know, be enough to make the big difference though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Other than I got to have 20 or 30 during a tournament because I like to use them. Yeah. <laughs> I like keeping fresh bait in there. 12 don't oh, yeah. last very long. Oh yeah, but you know, uh, if if you just had enough for half a day, would you uh, divide them out and use everything you had on half of the poles all day, and use something else on the other ones, or would you just go ahead and use them all up at once? And then I just start using them up. You know, I'm constantly changing baits out. When water temperatures get up, usually what I do is uh, when water temperatures in 70, 80 degrees, I leave a bait no. 15 minutes, I'm changing it out. Now, in the last couple of years, the one thing I'm not doing is I'm not tossing the bait back into the water. I used to do that. That, you know, I'm just chilling. I'm trying to catch fish, and when I toss them. that back <laughs> in the water, you know, I just chummed a fish that I possibly could have gotten. You know, <laughs> you know, at some point they're going to sit there and they're going to find that head I tossed out. You know, so and I stay. I am a running gun type fisherman. I uh, I don't stay very long in a spot. I'm twenty minutes or so. And if I if I catch a big flathead, I immediately pull up and go someplace else because I figure he's the big dog in there. And he is not going to allow anybody even come near him. So you know why stay there and fish? When I've gotten you know the big man out of the, out of the you know that hole, and I start moving you know around. Back in uh, 2007, Lynn, we pulled up on a spot, and I dropped a bait, and we sat there for half an hour, and I started to uh, pull up, and Lynn goes, "Give it five more minutes." I have learned to listen to when her intuition you know when she speaks and tells me give it five more minutes I'm listening you know it, it, it took me a while to learn that um, within that five minutes that 56 pounder hit and we got him on board the boat and I was pretty wore out because he took me everywhere and uh, I didn't care if I caught another fish and that was at this tournament started at seven o'clock we had that 56 in the boat at uh, 7:45, and uh, we moved to another spot and didn't we, we caught a couple of small flatheads. And then I wanted to go right back up in that area, and she said, "You know, you you never go back to the same hole." And I said, "I'm not going back to the same hole." I saw a tree down there. I ended up catching a 50 pounder off of that. So within you know, 8.30, I had 100 pounds in the boat, 
and uh, I was pretty wore out. Well, then I ended up, I caught a 38-pounder uh, at another spot, and I missed him twice. He took, he ripped a skipjack head off twice, two times in a row, and uh, ended up uh, getting him with the third skipjack head. I, and that's why I'm saying you got, I got to have plenty of skipjack heads because <laughs> you know, I can go through them real quick. I'm pretty insistent. If a fish steals one, I'm getting it back from him. So, but that day I ended up, we ended up with 184 pounds, and all net, all Lynn was doing was netting my fish. She never had a rod go down. So that was a phenomenal day on the water. Great. Yeah, and when you, when you have a live well that you you can have total confidence in, and you don't have to worry about babysitting fish all day, you just know yeah. in the back of your mind they're being taken care of, so right. you can fish the rest of the day and not have to worry about checking on them and changing the yeah. water and everything. Yeah. Well, I change the water quite a bit on my tank. I've got a 125 gallon drop-in truck, you know, tank. Um, and I run water, it's, it's plumbed right into the system on my boat. I can run water constantly through it, and I'm pumping it out. I'll change the water two, three times uh, during a session. Um, I've got uh, Steve Douglas's Aqualung uh, on there. I've had it, I he sent me the first prototype, I think, that he ever had built and wanted me to try it out and I've used it I've made some modifications to it to make it better and uh, I've been using that ever since and you generally when we go bring in fish out of, out of the live well they're really smacking you good because um, I've got four air stones in the bottom of that uh, live well to keep those fish going so yeah, when I, when I was talking about changing the water out, I was talking about using buckets. Um, we had to do that a few days, and that really stinks. When you got when you got the pumps to pump out and pump back in, uh, that's not that's not changing the water to me. <laughs> changing the water is when you got the bucket. And you're yeah, saying, and, a lot, okay. and a lot of people will ask me, you know, how can you tell if your fish are in distress? Uh, what I tell people: look at their eyes. It uh, doesn't matter if it's a channel, a flathead, or a blue. Uh, when you look at their eyes, their eyes ought to be real crystal clear looking. If they start getting uh, cloudy looking or, you know, like they're covered over with a cataract type, uh, th that fish is in trouble. You know, one of the things I tell a lot of people is open up that live well. Get that air exchange because... While they're sitting in that live well, a lot of times, you know, they're puking up stuff. You know, there's a lot of ammonia that's being generated inside that live well. Ammonia, is, it seeks out water. So when you open the lid and let it kind of air out every now and then, uh, we are always checking on our fish. But, you know, open that lid out up and then let that ammonia get out of there and uh, your fish will do a lot better. I don't have a real heavy current in there. It's just kind of nice and gentle. And But when we pop open the lid, they're always over there where that 
discharge is on that aqua lung. So um, on your on your big live well, do you run any kind of oxygen on in the diffusers or anything like that? Is that what? I got four air stones in the big round air stones in the bottom, and in the back of the boat, I've got uh, the air bubble, two air bubble pumps okay. running all the time, and I don't use any oxygen. Um, I over all the years that we've been fishing, I don't. I think maybe we've only lost one fish in the well, and it wasn't you know, very big to begin with. Uh, before I'll kill a fish, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and take that fish out of live well, put him back into the river. Uh, you know, it's not worth losing a fish. It takes too many years to get these fish this big anyway. So, yeah. So, so. if you use, if you use regular air with a bubbler or, um, oxygen, as long as you produce a lots of very fine bubbles to mix yes. with the water, you should be good. Big bubbles are no good. No, big bubbles will not hold that concentration. The finer you can get, the better it is. You know, and keep your live wells, you know, good and clean, stuff like that. You know, if you start seeing a lot of uh, stuff floating around, and they get dirty. I mean, you know, it just depends, you know, Flatheads aren't so bad as, of uh, regurgitating stuff, but boy, them blues—they—they they just like to. It just seems like they want to empty their bellies out all the time. Great, all right, Lyle. Um, you ready for him? Because I'm gonna take all the time up. <laughs> well, you know, it's okay. I'm not sure if Doc's in a big rush or not. I don't think any nope. anybody else is in a hurry to see see him leave. But uh, nope. we got. We got some questions uh, in in our chat. Doug Evans would like to know if you drift for flatheads. Yeah, well, I try to drift for flatheads. Uh, did I did I catch one, Lynn? Yeah, we've caught them drifting. I don't catch very many drifting. Um, mainly, you know, uh, I catch more blues drifting than I do flatheads. Right. That's kind of the general thing. Uh, I, there, Brad Bex wants to know if you've heard anything about the new uh, catfish rules in Indiana. No, I've been kind of following it. It sounds like they're following right along with the rest of the states, I believe, Kentucky and all them. So. Uh, Jerry Willard would like to know if you have done any dragon baits in lakes with no current on those plant uh, farms. Yep. Uh, Daniel and I fish a lot of channel cat tournaments and uh, we have really I've, I've learned to do the dragging method uh, I, I got a little bit different setup than what a lot of people see um, I Daniel taught me a few things that he had learned He's a he likes to crappie fish but he came up with some really good ideas that you know I, after I looked at what he was doing and what I was doing because a lot of times when we're out there fishing he'll catch 10 to 1 fish on me and I'm, I'm sitting there going how's he doing this so <laughs> we'll sit there and start comparing things and we found out a few things 
that you know he was doing that uh, I wasn't. So we kind of changed it around. The I know the three tournaments that we fished together. Daniel's caught. I think in two of the tournaments he's had the biggest fish in the tournament. That's that's awesome. Yeah, he's he's learning quick. Heck yeah. Um, Scott Woody would like to know if you use a one hook or a double hook rig on your bobber rig. Uh, I'll use. Well, that's one thing I I forgot to mention. Uh, I always have. Uh, I use mostly two hooks, and on the bobber rig, I'll use the two hooks, but I'll have one of those co-mill hooks in between them. Okay. In between the two the two hooks to keep that bait up. I think Chuck must have something going on up there. Uh, see if I can get to the next question. Uh, Ricky Poole's wondering if uh, you still fish with Donnie Hall. With who? Donnie Hall? Donnie Hall. No. He probably want is it Donnie Hall or Donnie Shootman? What he what he has out here is Donnie Hall, but I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. One of the uh, one of the things that that I wanted to make sure that we talked about a little bit was. Uh, the information on your website, and and uh, we can go to hookedoncatfish.com to see this. But you have just an abundance of information on that website. It, it's unbelievable. For years and years, we've been going to this thing, and, and you don't even have to ask questions; you can find them on there. Yeah, I I like to write, and uh, I like to give out a lot of information, things that I've learned over the years. Uh, things that people have taught me over the years. Hooked on Catfish has been on the World Wide Web for 18 years. Um, I, ha I had a crash on my computer last year. I've got the information is on my new one. And I haven't figured out how to access it. So that's the reason I haven't updated anything on my website is because I haven't figured out how to get in there and do anything. Because on my old computer, I had a program and I just go right in there and log in. Boom! I'm sitting there writing away, and now I haven't figured out how to how to get to it. So uh, that's going to be one of the things that uh, I want to try to get accomplished this year is get my website, uh, you know, back up there because you know I I like teaching people a lot about electronics and stuff like that, and I've done a lot of. Uh, I get on the water with people and, you know, show them how to use their electronics and, uh, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of that right now with people. I get calls all the time from people wanting to know how to do this with electronics, how to do that with an electronics. So. Well, I'm, I'm excited uh, as I fight that in advance a little bit. Uh, Doc, can you turn your volume down just a touch? On sure. Your We're getting a little bit of feedback. I, uh, I'm excited to have you in the boat with us down in Memphis uh, to help me understand how that Lowrance works. I'm a hummingbird guy, and I've had uh, a couple of guys uh, help me out tremendously. 
Craig Shoemate uh, went with Cindy and I the other day, and he was a great help. And uh, Chris Jones got in the boat when he's down in Alabama, and that helped a great deal. But, uh, you know, I'm excited because I know you're pretty up to speed with those things, and, and uh, that'll be a, a big help to me. Uh, you know, I mentioned on these shows several times that uh, I get messages to answer that are uh, not only in the chat, but but I get statements, people sending me messages on Facebook and emails and uh, all kinds of stuff. And, and I wanted to share one with you that Rob had sent me through Facebook. And he says, this guy is brilliant, outstanding guest, well done. However, it is BS that he will be in your boat in September. <laughs> I, I actually think it's kind of funny because you know since since we started talking about this it, it I don't think that any of the three of us has ever said anything about how many fish we're going to catch we're just going to have fun yeah we're going to have a good time yeah we're going to enjoy ourselves I like fishing on the Mississippi River uh, first time I did it was back in 2007 and uh, I just, I watched I was just amazed watching Dale Kearns uh, throwing 40 and 50 pound fish back because they were they were uh, over the slot limit. He already had two 70s on board the boat, and he's trying to catch small fish. And you know I just watched, I was just phenomenal watching him wear out fish. Oh, I know Dale is amazing talent. He really is, and he's a super guy. And I've talked to him about being on Catfish Weekly, and and we have several shows lined up. But I'm going to get a hold of Dale, and I think he'll make an outstanding guest on the show. Uh, yeah. He'll he'll be a lot of fun. He's very laid back, but the knowledge he's like you, the knowledge that he can share with us is 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 outstanding. Um, Nick Goodall would like to know if you use the Genesis on your sonar. Yes, I do. Um, I I record every time I'm out, and then uh, uh, then I upload it, and then uh, you know I've got my the lakes around the house here. I've got those all in my system, but it's a real handy tool for using on the river. Um, because I've a lot of times you, you won't see something as you're going along, but when you record it and then you do the playback, what's nice is if if it looks real fishy looking, maybe a tree or something that comes up, you can drop a waypoint on it, and boom, it's in your system, and you're not even on the water. You know, you can do it right there. So that is pretty handy. Wow. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, I, I was wanting to ask about what it was like for Land to be a uh, state record holder for a while. <laughs> uh, well, that was kind of interesting. That was during a Cabela's tournament, and uh, that was in 2009. Um, the fish that she caught was a 29.75 pound blue cat, which, you know, we catch a lot of 30 pound fish. So we didn't think anything about it. Uh, we went to the uh, weigh-in, and actually, I think that was only—I think we only caught three fish that day because we were struggling. And uh, I, I was getting the fish were up in the water column, and uh, I couldn't catch them. 
and it was that's when you know I, I started coming up with that bobber I was dragging the bobber back behind the boat and found out that these fish were you know they were moving away from the boat and uh, when Lynn's rod went down I think we were the wind had pushed us up to about two miles an hour and that fish just drilled that rod down and uh, her rods are real short they're real short and compact uh, that, that's an interesting story because I think Lyle was about ready to cry every time he shortened the rod up he had to cut the rod down uh, to make it short enough for Lynn she likes using a six-foot rod so when we went to the weigh-in and they you know we waited in and then one of the people in the crowd said hey that's a new West Virginia state record you know we're look, kind of looking at each other and saying what, what do you mean oh, no no way not at 29 pounds and sure enough uh, a biologist came up and he confirmed that it was an actual blue and he goes yeah that is a new state record so you know we turned the paperwork in uh, and everything and then a couple of weeks later uh, she's got the certificate up on the and you know I, I was more pumped up about it than what she is <laughs> it's just another fish well, I'm telling you <laughs> I, that I thought it was pretty awesome you know uh, she caught that 88 pounder back in 2005 and when she caught that 88 nobody had ever seen a fish that big you know in any of the tournaments you know because uh, this Kentucky state record was 104 by Bruce Midkiff and she come in within what 15 pounds of it and uh, you know it just uh, it, it's phenomenal you know I, I like the fact that you know I can put her on fish like that that's probably more to me than anything is the fact that you know a lot of people say it's got to kill you that your wife can outfish you and I said no it doesn't bother me at all I said, uh, you know, it's we enjoy it. We like being out on the water. And if she can catch, you know, I might get a little upset if she caught a hundred pounder because that—that's what I'm trying. <laughs> That—that's what I'm trying to catch is that hundred pounder, that triple fish. What yeah. I've been really wanting to catch. Well, I'll—I'll I'll promise you there was nobody any more excited about her catching that state record than me. <laughs> yeah. I, I guarantee it. I was jumping around the house, acting like I didn't have any sense. Uh, I was I was so happy for her that she got that. It was so exciting, uh, you know. It, and, and you're just talking about catching those fish like that. Uh, something that comes to my mind back when uh, uh, they had the uh, Catfish American TV show was at first started. I done some sponsoring with them guys, and and uh, they called me up four o'clock in the morning. They caught an 86 pound. Uh, blue on one of the uh, rods that I built for him. This guy calls me up, old Don Sweet did, and he said, oh, I just wanted to let you know we caught this fish that weighs 86 pounds or whatever it was. I said, Don, do you have any idea what time it is? He said, yeah, but didn't you want to know? I said, yeah, but couldn't you wait a couple more hours? Like <laughs> yeah. but he, was, he was really excited, and I was too. We had a good time with it, but you know, when Lynn caught that, that was... Uh, that was very special to me that she caught that, and, and I was just so happy for her. Ricky Poole would like to know if you're going to be at the Catfish Conference, Doc. Yes, I am. Excellent, excellent. We're going to be down there on Friday and Saturday. That'll be a lot of fun. 
lot yeah. of fun. We got I'm a lot of things going on. Oh, me too. You know, and um, I know that you feel pretty much the way I do that this is something that we all need to work very hard to get to bring this together for the benef benefit of, of the sport. And this is one way to do it. I, I mean, them guys, uh, Steve and Jeff and Marie, and them guys, they've all worked very hard to make this thing happen. And and uh, I think that, that it'll be a uh, really beneficial thing for people to get the chance to go down there and and uh, be a part of it, and I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I am. I'm that. That's my weekend that I have to work, and I took vacation for it. So <laughs> I, I plan on you know. I had a lot of people ask me if I was going to do a seminar, and I said no. I want to go down and enjoy myself. I want to go down. I want to do one-on-ones with people. If they want to ask me questions, I'm more than willing to you know, help them if it's electronics, it's, you know, how to do a rig, that I want to, that's what I want to do. You know, I don't want to be up on stage and, and you know, giving a talk because when you look at it, most of those guys know what they're doing. They're looking for those little inside tips that, that you know, that can put them over top of the, their competition. That's exactly right. That's exactly Everybody. right. You know the last uh, the last several seminars that that we done, I would go to them places and and do my little deal, and we'd go back to our booth. Of course, we always have a booth set up at most of them, and, and guys would come by, and I would have boxes uh, of hooks, and I can't tell you how many different rigs that we'd talk about when we was doing the seminars. Uh, and I would tie those rigs up, and I'd give them to these people. And I, and my, you'd think they'd give them a dollar bill or something, you know? Yeah. They was yeah. just so happy, and they could, you know. And I said, well, if you take it, you if you forget how I done it, you can take it apart and figure out how to to, to replicate it. Yeah. And uh, you know, I I just take two or three boxes of hooks down there and, and tie them up and give them to people, and and uh, you know, it, we have a great time doing those. Doug Evans would like to know if you use circle hooks for flatheads. I use circle hooks for everything. 1999, I think, is when they came out. I was using Gamagatsus at the time. Um, but after a couple of years, I think our quality department kind of went to the wayside, and we started getting broken hooks or the tips were bent over. And uh, now I'm either using eagle claws or I'm using owners. I like owners uh, are probably one of my favorite hooks. Uh, mm -hmm. I snell everything. Everything that I do is all snelled using the no-not snell, and I learned that from the saltwater guys, where you just put the line through, you roll it over about seven, eight times, and then bring it back through that eye. And uh, I'll do the double hooks same way. You know, you put the first one on, then slide the second one, whatever length that you want to put it in between it, and then snell that one on too. Yep, that's exactly how I do it. I've been using that snell for I can't tell you how long, and and I don't have any problems with it. Uh, some of the heavier braid line, uh, it's hard to snug it up real tight and stretch it to where it'll stay in there real good, but. Uh, I usually just put a long sleeve shirt on, wrap it around my arm or something, snug her down. You can also use pliers and stuff if you get way back off of it. But, uh, I just don't have any problems with that, and it kind of works as a trigger effect when they hit it. So uh, 
I think that's probably it may not be the best snail knot out there, but it works for me and I got confidence yeah. in it, so why would you ever change if you believe in something? Right. And the more you get you pull on it, the tighter it gets. That's you know, correct. It's not gonna back off. It's gonna stay tight and that's what you want. Now Larry that's Muse right. came up with a good tip that one time he was interviewing with Steve Douglas and I started tying it the way he did because uh, he used to do where it would hang straight. Now it, it hangs on a kind of a turn. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, us old dogs, we can kind of confer back and forth <laughs> different things that we keep trying. You know, you're just trying to put fish in the boat. You know, I yeah. just, I, I love fishing. I've, I've loved it my whole life. And, you know, I get, I get kind of perturbed when the weather messes me up and I can't go out there and, you know, catch a fish that I want. So when you're saying you want that triple digit, are you wanting the uh, triple digit flathead or blue? Uh, either one. I'll take either one. So. If you if you had a week, um, you know, uh, a couple of times a year to go anywhere in the United States to, to try to catch that fish, where do you think you would uh, plan your trip to go? Kingston, Tennessee. I like I like that water right there, boy. It was a first, last year was the first time I'd ever fished there, and I told Daniel, I said, uh, you know, I, I said I got a feeling we can catch some good fish here. We went down to uh, we went down below Watts Bar Dam. Everybody was saying that uh, there wasn't no skipjacks went down there. Well, we went down there and we just wore them out, uh, and I. You know, I wasn't using uh, the little crappie jigs. Uh, we were using a Foley spoon, and uh, man, it was a it was an absolute magnet for them things. Oh yeah. So, and uh, like I say, we we caught. I think we caught 20, 20, 20 25. I, it was a bunch, and uh, within two days of of pre-fishing, we'd gotten rid of all those. And then we we had to go get some more. Like the night before the tournament, uh, we had to go get more bait. Yeah, I like I like I like using fresh, but I can use that frozen. I don't mind using frozen. Did y'all stay in the Tennessee River, or did y'all go up the Emory of the Clinchy? No, we we were out on the main main river of the Tennessee River. Yeah, they they said all those little uh, where those rivers come in right there at the town of Kingston, um, you know where you got the canal between the two small rivers to the uh, the main hook. Yeah, um, they said all in there is just uh, beautiful places to fish. All all in that uh, upward right hook. I mean upward uh, horseshoe hook. Um, you know up in the. Um, you know the Emory, especially. I'm I'm dying to go up in there because you know, from what I heard, it's loaded with, you know, 40 and 50 pound flatheads. And, yeah. You know, and I, I'm I'm wanting to get me. A, I'd love to get me a 70 or 80 pounder. So <clears throat> that's going to be my focus. That uh, sounds like some good times. I've not ever fished that area, but we'll get down there one of these days and and make it happen. Well, Doc, you know, 
there's no way that I can explain what it means to Chuck and I to have you on here with us tonight. It's been an outstanding good time and a long time coming, and I know everybody was was really uh, excited about it. And Greg uh, would like to know what what boat does what boat you use? Right now, I'm in a 2009 Sea Arc Pro Cat 24 footer. It's got a 175 Suzuki motor on it. I opted to go with the smaller motor. Um, you know, they, they, they were coming with 225s because I like to make long runs and I wanted that gas mileage. Uh, some of the guys that uh, I have fished with for years uh, had the 225s and I knew that the 175 would swing the same props as the 225 but it was a lot easier on gas and uh, you know a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll run 20 miles or so uh, when Lynn caught her 88 we ran 42 miles one way for that fish and uh, <laughs> that's a long run yeah it is yeah so I mainly you know wanted it for gas mileage uh, Lynn bought that boat for me that's my uh, retirement present. Um, I don't know when I'm going to retire, but you know, she bought and paid for that, and you know, it's you know, I I got a wonderful wife. Uh, she she knows I like to fish. She knew it the day I got married, and she has really supported me on that that kind of stuff. I you know, I can't say enough about her. She just uh, you know, and she she likes to fish and stuff like that. Uh, but I, I'm just crazy about getting out on the water. Even if I don't catch a fish, I just like being out on the water, and I like the boat. And I'm constantly doing something to a, I, you know, it's a 2009, and I'm still modifying that thing to my likes. Well, you know, uh, Lynn is quite the fisherman herself, and uh, is there a chance that uh, she'll fish tournaments with you again? Oh yeah, she she'll keep doing it, and uh, uh, you know she just uh, she she knows that uh, she knows my passion for the the fishing and stuff like that, and she just wanted to, you know with the entry fees getting higher and higher, and you stay in a room, it's a whole lot easier sharing it with somebody than footing the complete bill yourself. That's very true, very true. Uh, you know, at, at this time, Doc, if you have any sponsors or anybody uh, you'd like to thank or mention or talk about something else, uh, I'll give you all the time you want and go ahead and do that. We're running about an hour and ten minutes or so. Not that we're in any hurry or anything, but uh, we'll give you a chance to, to do what you need to do. No, I'm I'm in no hurry. I took <laughs> this is my night off, so I can sit here and talk forever. You know, uh, as far as sponsors, uh, Black Horse Custom Rods, buddy, I've been with you a long time, you and have. Uh, I love your rods. Uh, Lynn likes your rods, man. We you know we just don't fish with anything else but the Black Horses. As far and we don't use sponsors. We have the only sponsor I got is my wallet and my wife. That's our sponsor. <laughs> you know, well, we you know, pay for everything. We go back to that just a little bit. When 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 
back years ago when I contacted you about that, I was building a lot of rods in those days. And, you know, I, I wasn't convinced. You know, they suited me, but my question was, did they suit anybody else? And I never had complaints, but you, you needed somebody that was out fishing big tournaments and stuff consistently, uh, and, and very few people knew about me except local people and, and guys that we fished against in tournaments in our area. And when I reached out to you, I was serious. I needed to know if they was as good as I thought they was or if they worked as, as well as, as they did for me, if they worked for everybody else. And that was one of the reasons why I contacted you. And it was a little, you know, I, I knew you didn't really want to do it, but but I needed I needed you or somebody like you, and I wanted I wanted Doc Lang and my rods about as bad as anything, you know. <laughs> yeah, I kind of realized that after you know you kept sending me rods. <laughs> and, you know, I want you to try this one. I want you to try that one. And uh, I told Lynn, I said I think he's serious about what's my opinion. And uh, you know, well, I don't I. I only use the kind of stuff that I am comfortable with. You know, I won't use somebody's product just to say, you know, and, and if it doesn't work, if it doesn't do the job that I want it to do, I won't use it. Right. You know, and I, you know, you know, if I didn't like your rods, I would have said, no, I think they're junk. They're not, you know, I'm not going to use them just to, you know, keep a sponsorship. You know, I'm, that's, that's not how I roll. Well, I've got one that if I don't have to send it to the guy, I would like to bring it down to the conference and show you. Um, in fact, it's this one right here spinning. Um, that is the 2015 Twisted Cat Outdoor Angler of the Year uh, winner, Jason Burgess' rod. Now, um, Jason won that, that rod, and he wanted to upgrade, so we just got done with it. And uh, I put the last coat of finish on it today. And, and that bumping rod weighs 8.1 ounces. Is that thing lighter than the one you built me? Yes. Wow. Man, I can't, and, I can't imagine. You know, and, and I don't think that Jason's going to be bumping for a few days. And, and if he does, if he wants it, I'm going to send it to him. But uh, if, if I can bring that down to the conference, I'd like to bring it down there. Um, Cindy was out here today, and I said, "Here, you need to check this out." And she's, "Oh my God!" And it's it's the lightest one that I've ever done, and and uh, I used some different materials to doing a few things on it, and uh, it might be too light. Wow, you know, it, it, it might be too light, but uh, I sent him pictures of it today, and he seemed to like it, so I'm excited to get it to him. But uh, we're we're gonna have so much fun out that conference and. And uh, maybe we can get Lynn to join in on our. Uh, we're going to do a live broadcast. Maybe we can get Lynn to jump in there with us for a little while down there. Yeah, we can try. It. I, you know, we'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll corral her and get well, her in there. She's <laughs> she's an outstanding lady, and you and you guys have done awfully well fishing tournaments over the years. And and uh, I do understand about the boat docks and things. We're, we're careful about where we go and making sure that we have places that's easy and accessible to get Cindy in and out too. But yeah. uh, you do have to do what you got to do. And uh, Have you got your list made out for all the places you're going to go this year? No, I, I just kind of, you know, <laughs> I'm still, my shop is 
talking about changing our work schedule. I'm hoping that it doesn't happen. Uh, it's bad enough. Right now, all the tournaments fall on my work weekend. That's the problem I've got. You know, it's like I said, oh, man, why couldn't they go the other way? Like uh, now in March, uh, I think Vince has got that tri-county catfish thing. Now, mm -hmm. this is the first year that it fell on my off weekend. So I'm going to get it. I'm going to be able to finish the, fish that this year. And it, it's going out of Tanner's Creek, and that's where I kind of cut my teeth real well uh, for flatheads and blues is down in that area. And I like fishing that area down there. Oh, you know, big be river, a lot of barges going by, stuff like that. So I don't night fish hardly at all except if I'm on a lake. I will fish on a lake at night, but I will. I just don't do it on the river. Right. Well, while, while you're talking about that, I want to bring up something that, that's come up today that uh, Kansas City Catfish has finalized the deal for their Brunswick tournament, which will be, I believe, August the 6th. And it is a night tournament, and it's on the Missouri River, and uh, they started taking entries for that today, and uh, you know, I don't know how many he took today, but I know that they're into the second flight of boats. It's going to be released, and this is going to be a, a big tournament on a big river with big fish, and uh, it, it's going to be a big big deal. I, there'll be 100-plus boats there, I'm quite sure, and the payout's going to be really, really good. So uh, I, I wanted to bring that to everybody's attention. If anybody wants to come fish a big river, don't you better put your big boy panties on and and come with a super anchor over there fishing that Missouri at night because it won't do you no good if you don't have that stuff. Yeah, so I'm gonna bring my when I fish the Mississippi with you, I'm bringing my anchor ball. So I'm not gonna sit there and pull an anchor up for your boat. I'm gonna no. <laughs> I'm gonna teach you how to use that uh, that anchor ball. <laughs> And we That's will fine. I'd like pull to that anchor up. <laughs> so. I'm anxious to see it, and and you know I've heard a lot about them, and uh, we have have uh, since both of us kind of had some issues. We have went to the lightweight anchors, but that that monster cat's a lot of boat, and um, I will probably feel a lot more comfortable with a bigger anchor than that ten pounder. But so far, so good. I've had no issues with it. I mean, it holds uh, just like it does my tracker. So. Uh, very excited about that. Uh, there's a, another something I want to bring up. Um, uh, Chris Jones is having a uh, a seminar at the Independence Brass Pro Shop. It starts at 1.30 on February 20th. He wanted me to remind everybody it's a women's fishing workshop. So if you get a chance, jump on up there and see Chris. He'll, it'll be a good time. Uh, I have another one in here that Jerry Dillard sent me if I can figure out how to get to it. Jerry, if you're still in there, open that chat back up and that message so I can uh, make sure I get all these. It's, uh, let me see. Hmm. Central Texas Catfishing Trail is having a second tournament of the year Saturday on Navarro Mills Lake. 
Said it's a small lake, but a lot of big blues to be caught. So if you get a chance, you're in Central Texas, go down there and see Jerry and the guys and jump in there if you're looking for a place to fish. I'm pretty sure it'll be nice weather down there, and you guys will have a great time. So uh, try to help them out and and, uh, and do what you can do to make them guys get in there and, and get on. We need we need uh, we need to get these keep these tournaments going and and uh, everybody working together to try to get along and get past the animosity and, and, and make catfishing as great as Donald Trump's going to make our country. I mean, that, that's what we need to do, and, and as long as people keep working together, uh, I think we'll make this happen. Yep. Chuck, you got anything else for Doc tonight? Uh, no, I, I'm hoping we can uh, kidnap him at the conference and keep him in our booth all day so I can uh, <laughs> talk to him all day. And, you know, we'll just put a sign up saying, you know, 10 minutes with Doc, $10, and <laughs> up a little booth for him to go in. Well, and, you know, Doc's going to be there. Uh, Vicky Messina is going to be there. I'm not sure about Jason yet. Depends on his work schedule. Heath Malone's going to be there. there. There's going to be a bunch of our guys that's down there, uh, and, and they'll be able to answer questions and help you and I. Heath Malone, I'm not sure if Jason's coming or not. I haven't really heard, but Heath's going to be down there. And uh, for you and I to get a break, Heath has agreed to do some of the interviews and help with the video stuff, and and that'll be really good because you know after a couple hours, and we want to get his any. Anybody wants on there as long as we got time. We're going to try to run them through, and we'll try to do it 45 minutes to an hour at a time, and then we'll upload that to YouTube so people can watch it later, and and we'll go again. But but Heath is is so cool to be there. Justin Wolf is going to be down there. Uh, if you guys don't know Justin Wolf, you need to meet him. He's a really cool guy. He run catfish tournaments for years and years and years, and uh, catches some monster fish. I mean he. 70s, 80s is just another day for Justin Wolf. I mean, that's just the way it is. And I'm not sure. I haven't heard if Jason Jackson's going to be there or not. But there's going to be a big crowd of people there, and uh, we're going to have a really, really good time. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be the most fun we've had all winter. Uh, well, at least since Wheeler Blues on Wheeler. Well, one thing I like about it, it's all devoted to catfishing. Uh, that's exactly right. That's what I am really looking forward to it. This has been a long time coming. Um, I'm real appreciative of Steve <laughs> Douglas and uh, the Marine place. Jeff, what what is the last name there? I can't. Jeff uh, Jones. Jeff Jones, yeah. Marine, yeah. Um, you know, they're going to be showcasing some boats and that kind of stuff. And um, it, it's been coming a long time. You know, I've, over the years, I've gone to a lot of fishing shows, and you get, you get disappointed because the, the catfish is just definitely not represented. Uh, and this is one show where the catfish is going to be represented. Really well, it's, so, it's sort of like going to a big outdoor show. And you go in there, and they got aisle and aisle and aisle of bass and crappie stuff, and, and nothing but a two or three hooks and some sinkers for catfish guys. Yeah, right, yeah. But you know, it, you know, if, if somebody, you know, if somebody comes up to me down there and just says, you know, hey, can you teach me how to tie that that knot you were talking about on Catfish Weekly? You know, I can just sit right there and sh just show them, you know, because you know, when I pre-tie all my rigs um, and everything is all packaged up in them worm bags and stuff like that, mm -hmm. 
and um, I, I, you know, I, I have arthritis in my hands real bad, so I take one day and I just tie up like 50 or 60 rigs, and that that way I've got a couple of days recover uh, with my hands. Uh, my day job is I am a mechanic, and uh, at a pharmaceutical place, and uh, so I can usually. I'll go back to work and I can get the soreness back out of my hands when I'm sitting out there wrenching on a few things. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, people will really enjoy that conference. I think they've done a great job advertising it and stuff. And I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. They, they got guy, top-notch guys that are uh, giving seminars at this thing. Um, I was asked to, but, you know, I, I want to go around and talk to people and, you know, just be one-on-one -on -one with somebody, especially if somebody new comes in and wants to know, you know, what to do with their electronics, wants to know, you know, how do you d tie this rig, you know, so, you know, my knots that I'm using, I'm still using, you know, I, I, I'll do the swivel, the snell to my swivel and stuff like that. But then I'm using the old trilene knot. That's all I'm using with the monofilament. Uh, the one rod that Lyle built me, my bumping rod, is the only rod that I have braid on. Uh, because, you you know, you want that feel when you're bumping that weight down back behind the boat. And, and that's one of the things I'm looking forward to when I go on to Mississippi with Lyle. I'm using a real light weight. So, you know, I may only be bumping with two to three ounces, but that rod that he built me is just so, you know, it telegraphs every little thing that's going on down there. So uh, up here, the current doesn't run as heavy as it does on the Mississippi. So um, I've had a few fish that I, and I'll miss the bite where they pick the bait up and they're running up the river and I don't, pick up that you know I'm still learning how to do that back bumping stuff I'm getting better at it but, uh, you know that's what, you know when it's when when a, when it's out there when the current's out there ripping that's my best time that I like using that thing yeah I do too and I'll have rods you know if I'm drifting I'll have those rods still sitting out there but I bring them up a little bit higher in the water column so they're not getting hung up you know, I've got eight ounces of weight. I like to have my lines hanging straight down off the boat when I'm drifting. That's uh, right. And I'm, you know, on uh, the drifting rigs, I'll use a, maybe a two, even a three-foot leader out behind. But I've always got them little cone mill uh, bobbers on that bait. Uh, and uh, just to get it so I can drag it through trees and the hook doesn't hang up on something. That comb mill uh, bobber, I get them at uh, bottom dwellers, and uh, it'll drag right through a tree, you know, and not get hung up. So, Justin Wolf says, "Crank down and hang on." Yeah, <laughs> and that's yeah. that's that's it. You know, that's what you do when when you're drifting. Like he's 100% correct. Uh, uh, I, I, that bumping is something that is. If they're if they're working, it is a lot of fun. Yeah, and I've got that Rodan trolling motor, which I can man, it is just I can control it, and it is perfect for going 
when you find that seam that's in the river, uh, when the current's up high, I, I can program that thing and it'll stick right to that thing and allow the boat to just kind of slip on back right and stay right on that seam line. Yep, that's, that sounds like the deal. I, you know, one of these days we'll get together, I'd like to see that Rodan. I've not ever been around one of them. I didn't, I'm not sure you had it the last time I seen you, uh, but I'm anxious to take a look at that. It's a, It's got to be a great product. Yeah, it's a phenomenal, I, I, you know, I bought it. It was in Florida. Uh, the guy that uh, originally built them and stuff was an engineer for NASA, and uh, it's got, you know, dual compasses in it. Um, it's not like the Minkotas because I've been with Rob Benningfield fishing and he had the top of the line Minkota. Nothing gets Minkota. They're a really good trolling motor. But when I hit that anchor lock, I don't want it to move. I don't want it to slip back and then move back up. And I know Rob and I were talking about his and he goes, oh yeah. He said it moves back about two, maybe three feet and then it comes back up. Where my Rodan, if, you know, if I put the nose of the boat up against a uh, channel marker on the river, it will stay right there. It will not move because I used it on the Mississippi. And uh, the only thing I had to do on the Mississippi was I had to put the boat in gear uh, at an idle, and then the Rodan would take over controlling the boat. And that's how we fished on the Mississippi. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Rob Klopfeller says the Rodan has a bi-directional motor, whereas Makota has to turn the head. What now? Rob says the Rodan has a bi-directional motor, whereas the Minkota has to turn the head on the on the trolling motor. Yeah, mine it's got reverse and all that, so it you know. And uh, the only thing I found out when I got underneath of a bridge, it went it it goes berserk. Oh yeah, can't get a signal. Yeah, it doesn't get the signal. It, it, the head just starts winging all the way around. But yeah, I mean, does lake, the same thing. Yeah, when you're on a lake, you can program that thing, and it, you know, you just keep going right back over the same areas that you're fishing. So that's awesome. I got a couple other things I need to talk about right quick. Uh, okay. Next next week on Catfish Weekly, Morgan Blake will be on the show with us talking about flatheads. The 29th, we're gonna we've rescheduled Craig Shoemate to get on here. Uh, Craig was supposed to be on the show a couple weeks ago, and and work made him come in. And and uh, like I told him, I said, you know, we got uh, if you got a quality job, you need to take care of that. Catfish Weekly will be here, so we're gonna get him on the 29th. The 7th of March, we are gonna have a spouses show, and and I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna talk about. Um, how the spouses of these tournament anglers, uh, their wives support them. Uh, you know, we're going to have uh, Joyce Muse is going to be on, Jamie Mathena is going to be on, and Carl Morris's wife, Amanda, is going to be on the show. We're going to try to get them all three in here at the same time, and if for some reason that doesn't work out, uh, then we'll bring them in separately. But I know Jamie is is Jason. Other than me, Jamie's probably Jason's biggest fan. I mean, I'm a pretty big Jason Athena fan. Uh, but Jamie, Jamie supports supports him, and I know Joyce does. Uh, Larry, she has to all these years, and she goes to a lot of the events and stuff. And uh, 
Carl Morse's wife Amanda does a lot of picture taking for guys like Aaron Wheatley and stuff at those big tournaments, and, and she's got to be behind him a hundred percent as much as he goes. There's no way that that uh, if, if she wasn't, he'd be able to do that. So I think this is going to be a great show. Uh, and then the 14th of March, uh, we're going to have a show called Getting Back to the Basics of the Roots of Catfishing. And we're going to have Jason Acock on here. And, and fellas, I think this will be a really good show as we, we go back and, and talk about how we all got started and why we ended up fishing for catfish. Because, you know, let's face it, we could all fish for bass or crappie or anything, but catfish is what we love to do. And, and I think that will be also be a, a really, really good show. So uh, that's just a few. We're adding new stuff all the time. Uh, and the tournament's going to be starting here really quick, so we'll be starting to get uh, winners of, of tournaments and different things in here, so stay tuned. Anything else tonight, Chuck? Uh, that's it for me. we got a, a few more weeks before the uh, tournament starts down here, so um, that's when we'll start uh, pushing all them things. Yep, we'll start talking about tournaments here pretty quick. Doc... Thank you so much again for coming on Catfish Weekly. I know your schedule is tight, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure that we could have you on again here when, when it's convenient for you and we do this again. All right. Awesome. I, I'm looking forward. I appreciate you guys having me. It was a blast. I, I'm sorry it went so long. Oh, don't worry. I, I can win. I, I can talk. I love to talk. <laughs> and I like to talk when it's catfishing. We had 50-some people watching the show live a while ago just on, just on our part, not including the, the uh, YouTube feed and the Google feed and, and, and that, and we're still at uh, 37, so we didn't lose too many, really. So that's, that's a pretty good, that's pretty cool. good deal. So We're, we're, was, ga we're gaining you? people in chat. We're not losing any. We're gaining. So. <laughs> I don't. We'll be half the night getting it loaded up on the on YouTube now. <laughs> yeah, we're we're at an hour and a half. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much again for being with us, and for Chuck Davis, and I'm Lyle Stokes, and we'll see you next Monday night.